The Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation preserves, protects, and enhances the future of the Rose Bowl Stadium as a national historic landmark. America's Stadium has hosted two Olympic Games, with a third one coming in 2028, two World Cup Finals, five Super Bowls, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl since 1923. It is the epic center of college football and is the most iconic stadium in the world. To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.inspire, which spells inspire2022.org. Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday Everybody. It's the first Peristyle Podcast of 2020. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, a little under the weather, just getting over the flu, but we're going to try to get back at this. we got Coach Harvey Hyde on the line to talk about all things USC football. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you could call or text us at 424-254-9141 is the number. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Tune in, Stitcher, iHeart, all the places you can get to podcast. You can get the Peristyle podcast and tell your friends about it uh, if you'd like. Any USC football fans in your family or friends, in your circle of people that you talk to at work, whatever, let them know about the Peristyle podcast. It helps to grow the show, and we really do appreciate that. I guess this will be our 13th season coming up in 2020 of covering the Peristyle podcast. That very first episode was with Myself and the coach Harvey Hyde, I think sitting at a restaurant in Pasadena somewhere. So let's welcome him in and uh, start our new year of podcasting. What's up, coach? How are you? Well, it's a wonderful day in Southern California. I don't know where you are, but it's been beautiful the entire week as far as for the Tournament of Roses Parade, uh, the Hall of Fame for the Rose Bowl, where Matt Leinart went in and got the biggest applause, not only there at the uh, reception and the ceremony, but coming down Colorado Boulevard and being introduced during the third quarter at the Rose Bowl. And then, of course, the great Rose Bowl game I've been to, I don't know how many in a row, the granddaddy of them all. So it's been a great college football bowl season for me and and uh, a great uh, weekend of uh, NFL football. And we've still got the national championship game, which is next Monday. So, Ryan, it's not over Tell it's over. Yeah. We still got a little college football left. Uh, I was at the uh, Rose Bowl. I went to the Rose Parade again, Coach, uh, and then I went to the Rose Bowl, and uh, it was it was a great time. Had a lot of fun and checking out everything that was going on. wasn't as cold as it was last year. Last year was really cold. Uh, but, man, I got back, and uh, Friday, uh, man, I just got smacked in the head with the flu. So I've been kind of down, watched a lot of football this weekend and uh, you know, watch some bowl games, watch uh, the NFL stuff feel a little bit better now. So we'll try to get back at it, but yeah, it was a cool, it was a cool Rose bowl. It was nice to see uh, for USC fans like that. The one part, you know, the nice part would be, you don't want to see Oregon win, but you want to see Matt Leinart get into the uh, college football. I mean, at the uh, Rose bowl hall of fame. So that was nice to see him out there and uh, giving the fight on sign to everybody. It really was. It was a great weekend of college football. I'm sorry. You got a little bit under the weather, but you know, Ryan, you know, if you're going to hoot with the owls, as you do, you got to soar <laughs> with the eagles, okay? Yes. So you got to remember, you got to be ready for the game. And if it's not your heart, you're ready to play. All right, Coach. Well, let's get right into it. Uh, you know, the, the bowl season's almost over. We'll get to see if former uh, USC assistant Ed Orgeron gets to win a national championship at LSU. They'll, of course, be taking on Clemson. But on the USC side of things, we really got to wrap up the early signing period a I guess you could say silent signee, uh, Gary Bryant Jr. Uh, out of Corona, um, the four-star wide receiver, the highest-ranked wide receiver, or the highest-ranked prospect USC has uh, in the class of 2020. Really helped the boost up the class rankings from like 79th up to 56th, and now 
uh, 10th in the Pac-12 instead of 12th. So getting that one top, you know, California top 25 signee, I think really helped uh, USC. Uh, he's a speedy wide receiver. Um, and, you know, now at least USC has one player committed in, the, in like I said, the top 25 in California. But uh, it was weird watching the the All-American Bowl down in, uh, in San Antonio. We normally send people there every year. We didn't this year because there really wasn't going to be much action. Five different prospects had a USC hat on the table. Uh, and only one of them ended up picking USC. But it was Gary Bryant, and he actually had signed, like I said, in the early signing period, just didn't announce. Uh, those all-star games, you know, it's getting to be a real show as far as, you know, I don't know if it's willing, if, if I'd have my kid play in that type of game because of the chance of injury, but you do because it's uh, quite a, a showy event, and announcing on national television is, you know, something those kids look forward to and do. Uh, I, you know, I tell you, a team that shined pretty good in this recruiting class is Arizona State University. They signed five kids of the top 30 kids in the state of of California, and that was more players signed of the top 30 by any Pac-12 team in the uh, uh, by a Pac-12 school, and that's Arizona State University. We've talked about their format of what they're doing, recruiting, and and certain things, and. I think USC should look at a lot of these things and talk about, you know, you just can't put a bandage here and a bandage there. And and I don't want to be negative, but I guess I sound negative. But let's move on because I don't want to get into that because, yeah, they moved up to 56, but that's not where they should be. And why aren't they where they're supposed to be? All of those things I always say, if you, you can't fix something if you don't know how to do it. Yeah, uh, it's funny. Chris Cartman does a great job covering Arizona State. And I, I did some radio interviews. People asked about, you know, Oregon doing well. Uh, that you know, they 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 got a bunch of guys in California. They got some you know big time players. But Arizona State was the one you had to watch out with. ASU signed more of California's top thirty recruits than the rest of the Pac-12 South combined. So USC had two, UCLA and Utah only had one. Arizona and Colorado were shut out. Uh, so pretty amazing um, that you know what ASU and Herm Edwards they were able to do there. And since we're on the subject, uh, I, there's more topics I want to get to, but there's a voicemail talking about some silent commit stuff. We'll we'll get into that first before we get into the rest of the stuff. I'll, I'll play this for you, Coach. Hey guys, this is for Ryan. Ryan, I know you got, I know you don't like it when we get personal with Clay Helton, but I mean, Clay Helton sold Mike Bond a bag of goods when it came to the silent commit. I mean, so so much to the point that Mike Bond went public with it, and what we got two, a three-star, and Gary Bryant, who was never going to leave California. I mean, that's what recruiting comes down to. The kid wants to go out of state or he wants to stay home. So, I mean, I know you never like for us to get personal, but, I mean, come on. When you lie to your boss, you deserve to be fired. You're a liar. You're a con man. Now, that you can blame Clay Helton for, Ryan. I'm sorry, but you can. Frank from Irvine, class of 2004. I guess right on. Uh, Coach, real quick. Frank, um, yeah, no, we don't want you to get personal. And I think things get thrown around like they're liars or whatever. Uh, I think the coaching staff was optimistic uh, going into this early signing period, and they usually are. And Clay Helton and the rest of the USC coaches going back, you know, Pete Carroll, Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, they were all good closers. And USC's kind of way to recruit was – you didn't really have everyone until signing day, and then a whole bunch of guys would come in at the end and put you over the top, and it'd be a top five class or, you know, worst case, top 10, and that's just the way things went. And even the last few years, there were chances for these classes to kind of fall apart, and they got all the people they needed at the end. It was like boom, 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 and it all lined up. And even last year with the worst class USC's had, they get Chris Steele to transfer in. They get Brew McCoy. Um, so, you know, a top 20 class turns into like top 15 with those guys coming in. Now this class, that didn't happen. Uh, it just, everything fell apart. There was some potential five-star guys at the end. None of it worked out. I don't think there was lying going on. I think it was more optimism. There were some guys that were silently committed. Now, Mike Bone, it's not Bond, it's Bone. I know it looks weird, but just, I, I think he didn't need to say, I certainly feel he didn't need to say anything about silent commitments and saying, what he did, it was to the Annenberg, um, he did an interview with Annenberg. I felt that was completely wrong. He didn't need to say anything about recruiting, certainly not saying it's going well, you know, a lot better than everyone expects or whatever, like whatever, I forget what it was. That was terrible. Don't say that stuff. 
Um, so he didn't need to say that stuff, but I would I would fall short of saying they were blatantly lying. I think you know we talked to people on the staff. There was a lot of optimism there, and they were close on some guys. But this was not the year to be you know it's silent commits mean not, basically nothing now. Verbal commits don't mean that much. Even when you sign, it doesn't mean as much. So um, I wouldn't put a lot of stock into it, but I don't think you need the athletic director going out and making those kind of claims, no matter what, if they're true or not. Um, but I, he wasn't lying. I don't think they were saying that. I think a lot of what they felt was true, and at times were true when guys were silently committed. But we, we've known guys to be silently committed to five different schools at once. So it's not something you would uh, put a lot of stock into. Sorry, Coach. I had to go a little, do a little rant there. What do you think? Why don't, why don't you just tell us how you feel? Yeah. I mean, huh? <laughs> Frank's a little, Frank's a little, you know, salty there, which I, I completely understand, but um, I don't want you to get personal with the coaches. I don't, you know, and calling people like liars and stuff. I don't think Clay Hilton was lying to Mike Bone about what was going on in the recruiting. There was a lot of optimism throughout the staff, and uh, it was obviously it was unwarranted because it was a, a pretty terrible recruiting class. Well, I think it's wishful thinking. And I think it's naiveness as far as on the part of who they're going to get and where those players are really going to go. It just builds up the, the uh, anxiousness and the excitement of where they're going to go. So they're going to tell people they are considering USC. But, you know, I never – now, don't get me wrong when I say this. I never had the feeling that some of those players that they were talking about that were supposedly silent commits – we're going to go to the USC Trojan football program. Uh, I thought that they had a lot of um, negative things going on, and they hadn't, uh, you know, they don't even have a defensive coordinator. They don't have a defensive staff. You know, there's so many things that kids look at as far as who's going to coach me, who's going to be the defensive coordinator, who's going to do this, who's going to be the strength and conditioning coach. I mean, the kids today want to play at the next level. And if they take as long to hire the defensive coordinator and defensive staff as they did deciding on what happened with keeping as far as Clay Helton, they're going to lose this late signing period, too, in February. And they probably have already. And do they know really who to hire? The way I understand it, the athletic directors has a search committee, and this is all rumors, of course, but I, I sort of know who he's using. Uh to uh, interview defensive coordinators. Now, what the heck is he doing that for? Why do you pay a guy $3 million a year to be your head football coach and you have to assist him in hiring a defensive coordinator? Does he really know what you really need as far as on the defensive side of the football? Does he know football? Does he know what you need to de defense uh, uh, power football teams like your opening team, Alabama or Ohio State or some of these teams that, run the football and how you get them ready and uh, against an air raid attack, does that make you a better defensive program? There's so many different things that are part of this football program. Recruiting's one, and so are a lot of the other things. But, you know, lying, I don't think they're lying. I think they're just wishful thinking, and they don't know what else to say. They're certainly not going to say we're going to lose everybody. I wouldn't think they'd say that. But that's the way I look at it, Ryan. It's uh, really too bad. Well, that's the good segue to the next topic is talking about, you know, there's some position, uh, you know, assistant coaching spots open. The biggest one being defensive coordinator with Clancy Pendergast uh, being let go and USC has to go and figure things out. There hasn't been a lot coming out of there. Um, we have a, a hot board up on uscfootball.com. We talked about it a little bit in the war room. I know there was a report out there um, that Mike Bone was going to conduct the search. We, you know, when we had found out, and for what we had heard, Coach, is that, you know, it's Clay Helton. It's Clay Helton's hire. He was going to make the hire, but it would be there would be collaboration from the athletic director. And I don't know, like, when you were a coach, is that something that would be normal? And it sounds like you might have heard something different than that, too, Coach. But, um, you know, it's the athletic director is the boss, but you want you, you got to have someone that's the that the head coach wants. And so what we had heard is that they want to get the you know, it has to be the right fit. You can't force hey, you have to hire this guy if you're the athletic director, but it would probably need some kind of approval from your boss to get the hire. So that's what we had heard. But what, I don't know what you think about a coach and then what you think about the search of who, you know, the kind of the right kind of guy that USC should bring in. 
Well, my feeling is I'm going to hire the guys that work for me. They're going to work for me. They're not going to work for the athletic director. They're going to have their loyalty to me, not to the athletic director. I'm going to have my loyalty to the athletic director. Certainly, I'm going to take him a name and tell him why I think he's the guy to fit our our defensive uh, coordinator position, and I assume that he will approve it. And uh, if he did not hand him uh, – uh, the coaching hat, you know, I had him the <laughs> yeah. coaching hat. I say, Hey, you are wear this and I'll put the suit on because he, uh, you obviously know about more about what I need than, uh, than I do. And, uh, you can fire me if you want. I don't care. But, uh, if I'm going to coach this team and I'm the one that has to talk to the, the press every week, then I'm going to make those decisions. Now we can sit down and you can approve my coach. I understand that. But don't start telling me and have part of your staff or a search committee deciding who should be working for me. I really believe that, and I think that's a problem, or we wouldn't be talking about it now. And uh, it doesn't show the faith in your head football coach. I think that's another dig on him. I think that's wrong. And he's the one that decided to keep him or recommended it. Uh, so uh, why not go with the person you recommended? That, that's my feeling. Yeah. And uh, as far as the type of person that I would hire at USC currently with the situation the way it is, I'll tell you right now, I'd hire a coach from Southern California. I'd hire a coach that's coached high school, community college, college in California. I'd hire a coach that has played and knows and contacts and knows the freeways in Southern California so that when he when you're going to the 405 or 15 or wherever you're going, when you walk in, they say, hey, coach, welcome home. It's great to see you, not somewhere from somewhere else in the world. I'd want to have a coach that had a little pro experience also. Why? Because kids today want to go to the next level, and they want to know if you have contact to go to the next level. They have confidence because you've coached with the Redskins, you've coached with New England, you've coached with Cleveland, Cincinnati, whoever. So that you have that type of background. And I try to hire somebody who had coached on Pete Carroll's staff or somebody that, that has, is part of the past and the glory years or the most recent glory years at USC. And I'd hire somebody that's a great recruiter, a great recruiter, because you've got to get out and recruit some players that can play and have a sound defense and has demonstrated he can coach defense and one that's been a defensive coordinator at UCLA. When UCLA beat USC 13-9 in the Rose Bowl and knocked him out of the national championship, and a guy that has been a head college football coach. Now, who am I talking about? There's someone out there that exactly fits all of those checkoff points, all of them. And uh, if they can't locate who this person is, on bringing him in immediately – then they don't need a search committee. Tell them to call me, okay? All right, coach. They they should call call Coach Hyde. You know that's uh. <laughs> um. Well, do you want to share well, do you who agree, you're? Do you agree with all what I said? I'm telling you, that's what they need. Well, who are you talking about? I'm talking about Dwayne Walker, who was the secondary coach with Coach Pete Carroll. Was with Pete Carroll with New England. Has been in the NFL with the Redskins, uh, Cleveland. Uh, as coach at BYU, Utah State, the head coach at New Mexico State. Uh, he's been everywhere. Interim head coach at UCLA, defensive coordinator at UCLA, took the team to a bowl game at UCLA, uh, went to John Muir High School in Pasadena, played at Pasadena City College, coach at Mount San Antonio College, the junior college. Someone who knows people, that has contacts, that can get to people, in the coaching world and people welcoming back home and has a tradition of what USC football is all about because he coached there with Pete Carroll. Now he was with uh, the Browns most recently, right? So he's probably, I would guess he's a free agent. Currently he's with the Browns. You're exactly right. Coaching the secondary. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. But then he, uh, well, you know, now there's turnover there, right? So he, he, I would guess he's out of a job, so he could be on the Well, market. he's out of a job as far as with the Browns unless they hire him back, the new coach, but he's still on a contract there. Interesting. And obviously, right. yeah, obviously, you know, he'll go to the NFL, or if someone was to go out and say, how about coming to USC? You know Southern California. You know everything about it. 
you can move right in here. Uh, you know how to get places. You know where the gym is. You know everything on campus. Why do you need to wait? Uh, why do you need to break someone else in new in Southern California? Bring someone in that knows Southern California, has coached in Southern California, knows people in Southern California, and has been all of the above things I just talked about. That's interesting, Coach. So it's not, not a name I've heard uh, like just around USC circles, but we haven't heard a lot, to be honest, lately. It's, uh, I mean, with the turnover in the athletic department, it's been kind of quiet. So that's an interesting names to throw it out there so I'll, I'll, I'll see what i can find out about a coach but that's interesting um he definitely knows the southern california landscape uh we did our buddy curtis wants you to be the the defensive coordinator he said start the movement harvey hyde for new defensive coordinator at usc former head coach tough mentality would be in line curtis wants well, you. Uh, well curtis thank you very much uh uh what do you charge as an agent okay <laughs> Uh, I mean, uh, not that I'm coming out of retirement, but what they pay coaches today, it almost would make you think about coming out of retirement. Yeah, it really would, and it would, and with the talent that you can gather at USC and the kids the way they are, they're looking for discipline, they're looking for soundness, they're looking for leadership, they're looking for people who care about them, know their parents, know their girlfriends, care about how they're doing in class, hug them you got to get them to love you before you can spank them, all of the above. Then, you know, that's what you're looking for. You're not looking for me. You're looking for someone who cares about a football player and knows the game of football. So kids know they believe in you. They're willing to sell out for you. Kids won't sell out for you unless they believe in you and love you. And when they know that, they will sell out for you. I mean, they will bring their game. And you have to get them ready to bring their game by treating them as a human being, yet you're making them uh, reach their goals as well as, you know, academically as well as athletically, and they know you really care about them. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Um, all right. Move the, before we get to the rest of the questions, um, some news that broke this morning. Uh, a lot of Alabama players, you know, they just missed, uh, you know, they missed the playoffs and uh, first time ever. And, you know, Nick Saban didn't seem real happy. They got a, a big bowl win. I think it was Citrus Bowl against uh, Michigan. Tua Tungavailoa was injured, and uh, we weren't sure if he was going to come back. He announced this morning, the quarterback, that he would uh, forgo his, uh, the rest of his college career and uh, go to the NFL. Uh, they did – Alabama, you know, their left tackle came back. The, uh, the, the linebacker that was out for the year with the knee injury, I believe, he came back. But they, they've lost some. They've gained some. This was a big one, kind of not sure which direction Alabama's offense would go. And if they had Tua back, I think it would be a big deal for next year. But now this sets up a potential problem because Bryce Young, the longtime USC commitment five-star quarterback from modern day, who decommitted from USC and now signed with Alabama, will be competing in the spring to win the starting job. And if he gets the starting job, he would face USC in his very first game. So, what I wanted to get were your thoughts on the news of uh, Tua going pro and you know the potential of facing Bryce Young. Bryce Young might end up third string. It's hard to say, but there's that potential that USC could face him in the opener. Yeah, there's always that possibility. Uh, I would say uh, Alabama's strong at that position. I think what Tua did was right for him, his family, as far as uh, coming out. Someone will draft him. Uh, in the lower part of the first round as a backup, as someone that they don't expect to play right away, but learn the system and make him maybe their third quarterback until he really heals and so on. And it might cost him a few bucks, but I think he'll pick up 15 to $20 million along the way. Remember, his younger brother is there too, so by staying there, his younger brother would have to wait another year, and he's already redshirted. Jones did a magnificent job as far as getting ready uh, against Michigan and the victory they brought against Michigan. Bryce Young going there will not be an easy, uh, uh, you know, uh, situation as far as uh, winning that starting position. He, uh, I believe it was named the most valuable player in the Army game on Saturday. He's a great athlete and so on. But at Alabama, that's a football factory, Okay. Nothing happens at Alabama unless you earn it. And everyone has expected what's expected of them. 
Uh, the secretaries know what's expected of them. The players know what's expected of them. The coaches know what's expected of them. The groundkeepers know what's expected of them. Everybody knows what's expected of them from the head football coach. Nothing is given. Everything is earned. So, you know, I used to say they pamper you all during recruiting, but once you get there, they own you. And at that time, you do it their way. And uh, I think it's a great selection for him going to Alabama. But uh, also, uh, I want to uh, say those players coming back certainly uh, love Alabama. They know it's the best thing for them. And uh, he's got a great thing going there. And you're right, Ryan. He's upset. He's normally used to being in the final game, okay? He's not in the final game. 12-2 and two at Alabama is a bad year. That's a bad year for him. He doesn't feel good about that at all. So uh, USC better think about what they're going to do in the spring and what they're doing the, to, in the fall to get ready to play Alabama. Because right now, if I looked at USC, their players, their heads are down. Uh, there isn't a lot of uh, positive things going on as far as, you know, in the media and everything else, recruiting. They're going into an offseason without JT Daniels ready to play and who knows if Slowis ready to play in the spring. You don't have a defensive coordinator. How are you going to prepare for Alabama when you throw the ball every down? How are you going to get physical? I mean, you know, I could go on and on and on. I don't want to say that, but this is the fact, okay? If someone else out there has got answers for me or disagrees with me, that's fine, but this is my opinion. All right, Coach. Well, let's uh, jump into some of these questions. Um, we got a text from Ryan and HB. He says, we've lost the quarterback in three different games this season. Do you feel as I do that the Graham Harrell offensive scheme could subject our immobile quarterbacks to too many shots? What do you think? Well, well, you know, you've heard me talk about this since they hired him last spring. You heard me. I never bought in with a stationary quarterback with a one back set. It just doesn't happen. You got to have a two back set. Uh, you know, if you look at every team that currently is in the championship games, what do they have? Athletic quarterbacks. Every single one of them. They can run the football. They can move it. They're the second running back. They stretch the defense. They run bootlegs. They run the read. They do all of that. Well, at USC, they throw the football every single down. Everybody knows where the quarterback is so they can knock him out of the game, which they did the two quarterbacks they had. Uh, they don't run draws and screens, which most passing teams do. They don't have short yardage situations. They throw the ball no matter where they are in the field. They never go into center. And if I'm a defensive coordinator, how do I get my team ready to play Alabama when I see all I do is pass rush? So it's a very different philosophy. And if you look at the teams around the country that use it, Washington State uses it. Texas Tech did use it. Uh, those guys got fired. Uh, and now Graham Hell Hill has it here, but are you going to win a championship doing that? I don't think you are. And uh, are you going to attract great physical tackles that are going to go in the first round? I don't think you are. Because no matter where you are in college football, in the NFL, you got to learn to run block. And look at the NFL currently right now with Lamar Jackson, another athletic quarterback, Deshaun Watson. It's now going right to the NFL. Russell Wilson. I can go on and on and on. And you got to do that if you're going to run a run remaining back. And they don't do that at USC. And I don't understand the. You know, you move the pocket, you play action pass, you run bootleg, you do a lot of different things. But they don't do that at USC. So I'm not against the. I'm not for the air raid. I think at night you throw the football. I didn't think they needed a great receiver and helped them as far as. On the recruiting trails, where is he going to play? I think they need to get down and do a few X and O's and decide how they can put this offense together to make it competitive and help the defense at the same time. All right, Coach, let's move on to Jeff. Uh, his topic is offensive line analytics and our huge offensive line recruits. Uh, so if you don't know, so in USC signing class, uh, half the class of 12 signees, uh, now with Gary Bryan Jr. in there, half the class is made up of offensive linemen. Uh, and they're all rather large, he said. So I think it was just last year when someone did a study of offensive line players drafted in the NFL, and the research showed 
that the huge 300-pound guys coming out of high school were not the guys drafted, but the mid-200-pound athletic guys who developed and grew into high-quality offensive line guys were the guys drafted into the NFL. If I didn't know any better, I'd say someone at USC is just intentionally sabotaging our entire program. Jeff's still enjoying time off work with my family. Um, I, I don't think it's every uh, player that's drafted, but there was I, – I forget what the numbers were, Coach, but I, we talked about it a little bit, where there was a lot of the guys that were drafted – uh, it's not every one of them was the five-star guy coming out of high school. And offensive linemen, that, I mean, I think that's where you develop the most in college. You know, wide receivers, sometimes you do, but a lot of times you're great. In high school, you're great in college, you're great in the NFL. Sometimes offensive linemen, they take a while to develop. Like a Chad Wheeler from USC was a 240-pound guy at Santa Monica High School when I was watching him there, and then, you know, he ends up in the NFL. Uh, but your thoughts about that, that USC did bring in a whole bunch of big guys in this recruiting class? Yeah, they did. And uh, when you look at who they beat in a lot of the cases, uh, you know, it wasn't really the Notre Dames where a couple of years ago Ron Stanley out of Bishop Gorman High School, they never even recruited him. I think he wanted or would love to have thought of going to USC, went to Notre Dame. He made all pro uh, the other day when it came out. You've got to be able to get, if you're going for a big guy, you've got to go for a big guy that's athletic not a guy that stumbles over his own feet and doesn't have a little coordination. You really can bring him along, but you've got to be able to have somebody that just doesn't get in someone's way, that can pull, that can lead, that can get down the field, that can finish a block, uh, and all the different things. And basically with the air raid attack, I think when Clay Helton said, we've accomplished our goals and what we needed, uh, they just got a bunch of guys, except for one, and I'm not going to point him out. I think he's a pretty good player, this one from California. Uh, are These guys that are going to all have to redshirt a year or two and grow up, and maybe out of the eight, four can play at that level, but they got to develop into run blockers at the same time and athletic type of guys. So nothing against them, but they're young, big kids. And when you're young and you're that big, it just makes sense. You don't have the same coordination as a tight end who's 6'6", 250, that runs and catches passes and so on that you can maybe bulk him up to 290 and move him inside, and he's a great athlete. So you look at all these different type of things, like a, like a Yeri who was a tight end. Uh, he loves to be a tight end. He'd be a great tight end for me because I think tight end is the third most important person on the offensive side of the football. Uh, the quarterback, the left tackle, and the tight end as far as mismatches. But uh, they think a different way, and that's what they should. That's their, their parade. But I don't necessarily dance to the music. We don't know about the offensive line, but – I wouldn't, I wouldn't say you're doomed because they're all big guys and, and only 250-pound guys out of high school get drafted. But there's, those, like Coach said, there was a lot of guys that were recruited as heavily as some of the other guys. And a lot of it stems from last year's class. They missed out on some of the bigger names. There weren't as many bigger names in this class. So some of the, the problems from this recruiting class stem from last year, too. Uh, let's- well, the difference, too, the difference, too, Ryan, is, you know, offensive line and defensive linemen, in California, uh, they go to prep schools, which is good. They don't chop wood. They don't lift bales of hay. They don't milk cows. They don't wrestle. And by the gosh, I'm proud of Arizona State. They have a wrestling program now where I'm going to tell you a lot of their football players are going to get into that. We have hand-to-hand combat competitive on a wrestling team or wrestle uh, all the time. I think that's part of it. And in the Big Ten and those areas, they have great wrestling programs. You need a little bit of these guys. You you need someone who can ride his bike to school or walk in the snow or cut down trees and do these type of things, okay? Uh, our guys out here are a little softer. Our guys out here have a ride to school every day in most situations, and and they really don't know that physical type of what these other people sometimes go through it's not their fault it's not their fault but uh, when you look at it and you see where the all-american linemen are coming from and how they grow up and the areas they're from 
a lot of these guys have uh, come off farms. A lot of these guys have come from coal mines. <laughs> a lot of these parents have come from different areas. So sometimes you got to go somewhere else to get the type of lineman you want. Yeah. All right, let's go to uh, Bill. He's in Farmington, Connecticut. Uh, subject is potential disaster. You guys have reawakened my interest in USC football. Well, thanks for I'm glad we could do that, Bill. Uh, was it Troy from 1963 to 1965? Looking at this year's USC recruiting disaster, the Trojans might not be too harshly impacted next season. But if this shortfall is repeated next year, the 2021 season is at risk. We in Connecticut worship the UConn women's basketball program. There are years when Gino Ariama brings in only one scholarship player, but next year makes up for this with three or four super players. USC can mitigate the impending disaster if its coaches can really coach. A so-called three-star player can become an important role player, even a standout, but it takes hard work. That's from Bill in Connecticut. Yeah, it takes hard work for everyone and it takes great coaching as you said and uh, you have to put your players in a position where they can be successful as far as the offense you run the defense you run placing your best players on the field if you're short you don't have enough players for special teams you got to go with your best players you can't cheat your team or your teammates and uh, I used to say I'd rather not give a scholarship I'd rather keep the scholarship than to waste the scholarship now with the portal system and everything else, I might keep a scholarship or two and see what's out there and available that can help me immediately at a certain position. And I think a position that USC's got to look at is a quarterback. They got to get a quarterback in the portal if they can. I would sure hope they can as far as for spring practice. And what about next year if JT can't go or something happens? Uh, Matt Fink is the only guy healthy right now that I know of as far as for spring ball that's been given the the go so you know you got to look at what you need and you got to go and get them wherever you can you got to work hard at it and you got to know exactly what you do as far as evaluation of talent you've heard me say that you know if you're a great coach you got to have great players and then you have a chance and you got to have a staff in your personnel office that has been there. Let me give you an example of Arizona State's personnel. And I'm I'm a little bit here prejudiced because the guy was an assistant coach of mine. Their director of player personnel there is named Al Luganbill. He's the father of Tommy Luganbill, who you see on television, who did all of ESPN's recruiting and so on. Herm Edwards talked him into being his director of player personnel. Now, he's been a head coach at San Diego State. He had Marshall Falk there. He's been a head coach in the NFL Europe. He's been a head coach in the World League. Uh, he's been an associate athletic director. He's done ESPN. He put together their scouting uh, systems and every year evaluated. He's been in charge of the Under Armour All-Star Game. He has the contacts of every single high school, junior college coach in America. Okay. He heads up their program. I mean, he knows how to evaluate players. And then he hires and has the people under him that he's teaching how to evaluate players, how to recruit, put together their entire package. Now, you've heard me say, and look what it's accomplished. Look how they've changed it. Now, you've heard me talk about USC's front office. I mean, I don't even know who they are, to tell you the truth. So I'm not bad-mouthing them, but I don't even know them. I'm just saying, do they have that same type of experience? Do they have someone heading up that program that's done all of these things? I mean, you need to have somebody in there that's in control of bringing the names to the coaches themselves and saying, now you evaluate them. This is the way I look at them. Let's sit in a room and make an order of who we're going after. You know, you know those people in the front office. I don't know them at, at USC, but do they fit that type of qualifications? Well, at USC, you've got to have or be able to get any of those type of people. And I'm going to tell you right now what I'd do. I'd call Tommy Luganbill, his son, offer him $1 million a year, tell him to come on over. You see him doing sideline. You see him doing recruiting. You see him doing – he knows every coach in the country. 
I'd have him come to USC, take over that position, and head up my recruiting, okay? If you're serious about football, okay? Now, if you're not serious about football, then, you know, put anybody in there. But you've got to have that type of individual in every department that you have in a football program. Yeah. Not just the head football coach, everywhere. And, you know, they don't seem to look at it the same way I do. No, I, I agree with you there, Coach. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and finish up with the last few questions. Here we go. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. We have a question uh, from Texas. It's Micro 151, uh, whatever that is. <laughs> so it's a Pellier Nootote question. Now that the season is over, I was wondering if someone could explain what's happened with Pellier. Two years ago, there was a lot of talk of him being the next great USC linebacker, including talk that he should get the number 55. So far, uh, he just seems to be a more athletic but less effective linebacker than John Houston has been. I was expecting a lot of impact plays like Talanoho Funga, but Pellier just seems to be the second or third guy to the pile. Is this a problem with development, injury, or was he just overrated? Thanks. That's Micro 151. Uh, yeah, get your thoughts, Coach, because you know we, we thought he was going to be the middle linebacker, and then this year they moved John Houston to middle linebacker, and then uh, Pallier was playing the will. It just seemed to not – just it didn't seem to work. But what, what do you think happened? Well, I think it's a little bit of all of the things he mentioned. I really do. Uh, he came out of high school. He was a man in high school, okay? His younger brother's already committed to USC for next year. He was a man. He overpowered people. Uh, uh, kids couldn't really play with him. He was mature. Uh, I think he stayed at that same maturity level. Other people have caught up. Uh, he overpowered people. His techniques, when I watched him in high school, weren't that as of soundness. It was just power and strength. And I agreed with uh the description of he was just a great linebacker, and but he's an inside linebacker, okay? He's not an outside linebacker, and, you know, I've said that all along, too. I, I don't understand that, uh, why they don't play him. Like you always hear me say, play a guy at a position that he can play, not put him somewhere else. He doesn't feel comfortable outside. Uh, unless you put him way out and let him rush the quarterback from an end position, jump off the ball, which they have nobody that comes off the end, nobody's – uh, off the edge that forces the quarterback like these other great defensive ends we see, like uh, young, uh, you know, I don't want to get into who they are. You know who they are. But you see, USC should have that. And uh, he's a, he was a great player, uh, and he should be a great player. But, again, he should be coached. He should be kept in one position, not moved around, work on his technique and his coordination and settling up. He misses a lot of tackles because he's going so damn hard that he runs by the player. He's out of control and he can't make the tackle. But all these things are are teachable, and they got to be taught. But he was a great player. He's a five-star player. He's one of the top. If he wasn't the number one linebacker in the country, he was close to it as far as the middle linebacker, and I don't know what happened to him. But he just hasn't matured as the other kid, too, out of modern day. I forget what his name was, but Solomon, yeah, Solomon Tuliapupu, who was, you know, he had the foot injury, but I think he'll be back. Yeah, yeah, now that's a great player too. Can you imagine having those two at the same time on the field? That's what you recruit to. You want to knock somebody, you know what? Silly, and uh, and uh, teach those guys as far as. And I'm not saying others can't play, but I'm saying. Boy, these are the guys I'd want. Two five-star linebackers to play like that? Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We got a text. This is – it wasn't signed, and it's more of a comment, so I'll just read it for you. It says, Clayton said they weren't thinking about anything except preparing for Iowa. If they have two weeks to prepare, and this is what they came up with, it's obvious they are terrible at coaching and preparing young players. When you admit you did nothing but prepare for this game, and it's a 25-point defeat, you know you have the wrong coach. He wrote his own epitaph. We did the best we could. We will look at the film. Um, interesting comments there. Very interesting. <laughs> and uh, you've heard me uh, talk about, uh, uh, you know, the difference in philosophies. Uh, Iowa, very disciplined football team. 
what they wear, how they stand. Uh, their coach very much involved in the game. They had football coach in complete control. Uh, they know what they're trying to accomplish. They run first, pass, play action, pass type of football team. And on defense, they're very sound. They don't break down. They don't want to give up the big play. They play great defense the entire year as far as number of points they've given up. And uh, they're going to hold the ball on you and, and uh, just uh, grind it out. And they know what they're doing, and they're trying to accomplish it. And uh, they wear their uniform well. Let me put it to you that way. Okay. And on the other side, I'm not sure if they wear their uniform well, or if they, uh, if it's a more of a team attitude at Iowa than it is at USC. I think they're happy. I think they have fun in their way. They've got their cameras out there taking pictures before the game and all of the above and whatever but to me that's not football i mean you gotta get ready to play a football game there's different ways of getting ready to play a football game i like hitting i like practicing i like playing the game of football to get better at football you play the game of football you don't lose your edge and uh it's just a different philosophy to tell you the truth and I think that's what you're trying to explain, and that's what I see. You see the same game I do. You see the same uniforms I see. You see everything that's going on the same way I see it. So you form your opinion. I got mine. All right. We got uh, Dave in Alaska up next. He says, Happy New Year, gentlemen. Oh, thanks, Dave. Uh, thanks for your realistic comments about USC football's dumpster fire, a fire where integrity is burning. Invertebrates, single-cell organisms, and USC administrators are the only creatures who don't appreciate the obvious problem with the football program. If they should, if they should have an empathy, why can't an interim head coach like Jack Del Rio be appointed now? An uh, earnest head coach search could be stated, and the fan base—I'm sorry—that could be started, and the fan base, team, and recruits would know that mediocrity would no longer be accepted. Thanks, Dave from Alaska. Well, Dave from Alaska, that's not going to happen because the administration would have to admit they're wrong, okay? Yeah. And they're not going to do that. They're always right, okay? Jack DeRio took and a job, too, already. So he's already the defensive coordinator at the Redskins. You're right. Now, he could leave there, obviously. Yeah, I guess he's he not leave going there. to. Yeah. No, he's got his retirement going in the NFL and – you know, to get a guy like that from the NFL, it costs him a lot of money because of retirement and everything else. But, you know, uh, what was the question? <laughs> well, like, hell, I don't know what the couldn't question they just, was. Could they go back and say, you know, this is, if you're talking about integrity and all that stuff, can you just go back and say, this isn't the right coach? Let's just get an no. interim for now. Yeah, that's what, that's what he no. wants to say. Yeah, yeah. No, that's what it basically is. No, they're not going to do that because. Like I said, that they would admit that they're wrong and what they did, and they're never going to do that. So that's not going to happen. you got to go with what they decided. Rick, uh, along the same lines, Rick and La Mirada, uh-oh. How do you feel after being fired from the staff? You're both your defensive coordinator and special teams coaches and looking at the head coach that's keeping his job. And USC assistants used to be big hires elsewhere, but such is life here in Troy. Um yeah, I'm curious to see what uh, Clancy Pendergast and uh, and John Baxter do, uh, what their next jobs will be. Um, lateral moves, upgrades, downgrades. I'm, I'm curious to see what happens there. But I think Rick is insinuating they're not going to get good jobs, I believe. Well, I don't know what's going to happen. Pendergast will go somewhere and back in the NFL probably if the NFL is looking for someone with his capabilities, not as a coordinator maybe as a, a coach in some position. John Baxter, I probably think he's already made a call to Fresno. I uh, came from Fresno. He loves uh, farming. He loves barrel racing. He loves rodeos. He loves all of that. And he did that for many years. He might go up there, reestablish himself, and retire there and coach part-time or whatever. So I don't know what he's going to do. Uh, I don't think neither one of these guys have to panic because they've made a lot of money. And when you make a lot of money, that gives you ample time. And I'm not sure if they had another year on their contracts or not. I don't know what their financial situation is or their severance package or whatever. 
So I don't think they're panicked as far as where they're going to go. They've been around a long time. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. I'm curious to see what happens there. Uh, we got one from Frank in Sacramento about resources. He said, Mike Bone said USC was going to give the football program, quote, all the resources it needed to succeed. Does that mean that they'll hire 10 analysts the way Alabama, Ohio State, LSU, and Clemson have done? Frank in Sacramento. And Frank, I think you're selling them short. There's a lot more than 10 analysts at those places. But USC is far, far behind as far as the uh, support staff arms races go. USC has been far behind for a while. Absolutely. That's why they have the front office as far as in director player personnel in those areas that aren't as strong because they're cheap. Okay? They're cheap. They don't want to pay for those positions. They'd rather hire kids that have uh, just graduated or came from somewhere else that are trying to evaluate their programs and do the different things. In some areas, they pay their athletic director a lot of money, and in other areas, they uh, they skimp. And uh, if you're going to win, you got to put the money where that where it makes a difference. And they don't do that. And uh, you know, coordinators now at big time programs are making two million a year, and uh, you're not going to get a uh, a coordinator like that without paying him that type of money. So, and it's not going to be somebody doing it for the first time. And they like to get somebody maybe for the first time and uh, tell him we're SC, come and coach here. Those days are over. Costs a lot of money to live in California. Plus, there's no guarantee they're going to be around and there's no guarantee they're going to get a head coaching job. They've let it sink down to that type of situation. So in some situations, they're cheap, okay? They're cheap in all the areas they shouldn't be cheap on. Yeah. And uh, and I hate to say that, but it's the truth. It's funny. They're cheap in those areas, but they were they would spend money for an, an athletic director with no experience. You know, you would be, you'd make Pat, Pat Hayden the highest paid athletic director in the country. And, you know, in my estimation, he's the worst one in USC history. It's crazy. They were willing to spend money like that. Um, and not in areas like in support. So we'll see. It, it sounds like Mike Bone wants to put more money in those areas. Um, there's a lot of things that need to be fixed, but that's certainly one of them. So we'll see what they do. Uh, Dennis kind of gave us a recap of the whole season, but it was, uh, I don't know, it looks like a thousand words or something. Dennis, we got, we will put those on the message board. We can't read all those uh, on the on the, the podcast. Sorry about that. Go to uscfootball.com, go to the message board, post your thoughts there. People will discuss it. It's really busy right now. So there's a lot of people on there talking about the team so you had some interesting stuff but we just can't read all that on the podcast uh we also had a, a email from an attorney troy 75 his was rather long as well talking about the buyouts because there were some numbers that were floated around about clay helton's buyout and saying that it couldn't be more than what clay helton was made was making and things like that um we we talked a lot about this in the war room i think some of the numbers he put in there uh aren't really uh, accurate from what we know of Clay Helton's contract, uh, it goes through 2023. Um, you know, read the War Room if you want to get some more. But it, I'll just say, it's not a good contract. Um, it would be expensive to buy out, and it, you know, from the the high level, I'm not some contract lawyer. It looks like uh, Jimmy Sexton, Clay Helton's uh, attorney, um, did much better in the negotiations against. Uh, Lynn Swan and Max Nikias and maybe the board of trustees for USC. So I would uh, talk about that. I don't know if you have any thoughts on the contract, but I I do think that's been part of the problem. The back in uh, February of 2018, when Lynn Swan did give Clay Helton that five-year extension, um, it was pretty beneficial to Clay Helton and not really beneficial to USC if you wanted to get rid of him. Yeah, well, I don't know. I'm not blaming Clay Elton. I think they no, uh, no, came he, in. And, yeah. No, I think they did a good job on USC, okay? Oh, yeah. Uh, there, was, there was no reason to do that. There, what was the reason to give him that contract? Was he going to go somewhere else? Was someone going to hire him to go somewhere else? I don't think so. And uh, they came in and do that, but I think there's only one way to correct it, and that's not by taking anything away that he deserves. Right? If you want to make a change, buy him out. Pay it. Quit worrying about it and talking about it. You got to make a move and you got to uh, get going if you're going to make that move. Otherwise, forget it. Cut your schedule back. Start playing different teams. Maybe try to get out of the Pac-12. I mean, I'm going to be very sarcastic here, but show me a little leadership 
out of the university in key positions that say football is important here. We got to make a statement. This is what we're going to do. It's costing us $25 million, but we're going to do this or do that. Otherwise, start going a different direction. Uh, start renting out the Coliseum for bullfights. Do yeah. something else. Because right now, it's very difficult for people to get fired up to go to the Coliseum, this new renovated Coliseum, without having an attitude. And you got to get rid of that attitude. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you, Coach, and it's tough. I mean, um, there's definitely risks involved, huge risks involved, bringing Clay Helton back. And uh, I got to meet, and if you, you know, if you guys read the War Room, uh, Mike Bone only brought one person from Cincinnati with him to USC, and his name is Brandon Sosna. Uh, he's young; he's 27 years old. He's the chief of staff uh, for USC athletics. Uh, just met him for lunch. I thought it was great that he reached out to me because, you know, the other administrations, we couldn't get Lin Swan to talk at all, ever, even after big decisions, um, let alone reach out to people. I mean, we heard people that worked there couldn't talk to Lin Swan, let alone the media. Um, so to have the, the athletic department kind of reach out to people in the media, I think he's reached out to other people as well besides myself. But just, to, you know, he'd only been out in Southern California about a week, and we got to meet and chat. I was very impressed. Uh, I think he comes off at them. I mean, he's a really intelligent guy. I think, you know, I think he's going to do good things. He's come into a really bad situation. It's not positive. Uh, you know, people don't like his boss. People don't like the president of the university right now. They're not going to like him um, just because of the, what everyone's involved that, you know, they didn't want Clay Helton to be back as the head coach. And now that's kind of on them. So they have to, to me, you lost out on the big one, and now to get to, to get people's trust back, uh, you can't really hit a home run. You kind of have to hit a lot of singles, Coach, and try to get back into the game. So we'll see. Um, this is an experienced athletic director group now as far as, you know, Mike Bone's been an athletic director. They've, they've, you know, they've done this at other places, which is what you wanted to see. But they're starting kind of in a deficit, not kind of. They're starting in a big deficit because of the Clay Helton factor. So – it's just, as always, Coach, there's always something strange going on at USC. Uh, I think Mike Bone and, and Brandon Sosna want to try to to fix it, but I, I don't know. It's it's it, it's in a rough spot right now, Coach. It's, uh, I, it's hard to say. It's just so weird, and I, I get the fans that are upset. All the sympathy in the world goes with them. I would be upset, too. Uh, I was upset. Our last show, I mean, I was, I was not happy with the way that the Holiday Bowl went and all that stuff. Um, but this is going to be a new administration and it's their task to try to, to fix all this. Cause there's a lot of problems and, uh, they, they, I think they certainly have their work cut out for them. Well, they certainly do. And I haven't been impressed at all so far. Just tell you right now from the top down, I haven't seen anything happen. They should have kept Lynn Swan. What, what has actually basically happened? I don't know. Nothing. So I'm just waiting to, to see what happens, and maybe it's too late right now. Recruiting's done. So we'll just see what happens. That's all I can say. Yeah, we will see. Um, you know, it's uh, they need some wins. They haven't really had any wins. Uh, I, like I said earlier, I don't think Mike Bone helped himself by saying those things about uh, recruiting. Um, I think the one encouraging thing when you – Clay Helton's statement uh, talking about uh, that, you know, they – they didn't, you know, their their staff didn't achieve, you know, championships with their goal, and they didn't achieve that. Um, I, I feel my gut is that there's going to be a higher standard going forward. Uh, I know fans just want him gone now, and I, hey, I agree with you. I think he should have been fired. I think he should have been fired the last two years, uh, and he hasn't been. Um, but he's back now, so I, I think the one thing you have to look forward to is talk about, you know, hey, we almost won the Pac-12 South is not going to be good enough going forward is, is the, the sense I'm getting from this new administration. But, you know, it's now I think everyone knows you can't talk. It has to be, they're only going to look at actions now. And so like, that's why I said, you kind of hit a, need to hit a whole bunch of singles, make some moves that the fans will start to be like, okay, that's positive. Okay. That's positive. Not that they will be bought over right away, but they need to see some, something happening going in the right direction. If you know what I mean, coach. 
Yeah, I do know what you mean, and I'm not advocating they fire Clay Helton either. I'm just saying I'm just giving my opinions on everything. But what gives everybody the uh, the idea Mike Bone knows what it's all about? He got lucky in hiring the coach from Urban Meyer's staff at Cincinnati. So we'll just wait and see. I'm going to wait and see. But right now, currently, as I said a moment ago, he hasn't reached out to me. Maybe he'd like to reach out to me, and I'm not saying that I know anything. But I certainly uh, have my opinions, as our listeners do, and you do, Ryan. I want to wish them all the best of luck over there and getting those victories and figure out a way, and someday we'll talk about it, figure out a way how they're going to uh, open against Alabama and get things fixed up and so on. A lot of negative conversation regarding that, too. When you walk around and people are saying, oh, man, they're going to be a four-touchdown underdog and all this and that. That's not a positive thing to work off season on. Yeah. So we'll find out what goes on. I got to roll, buddy. I got to go. Yeah, okay, Coach. Thanks so much. Uh, we will uh, talk to you next time. All right, thanks, guys. Have a good one. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you all the next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 